This afternoon we will consider only Baptist Catechism number 88. Question 88 of our Catechism asks, Are all transgressions of the law equally heinous? We have considered the law. We have asked if anyone can keep the law perfectly. We have answered that with uh, this idea that no no mere man since the fall is able in this life perfectly to keep the commandments of God, but daily break them in thought and word and in deed. So we have considered all of this. Now, uh, a reasonable question. Are all transgressions of the law equally heinous? Are they all equally bad? Answer. Some sins in themselves and by reason of several aggravations are more heinous in the sight of God than others. A very good and true answer. Let's go to John 19 verses 1 through 11 and read this text. Hear now the reading of God's holy word and we find evidence of uh, this truth contained within this passage. Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in purple in a purple robe. They came up to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and struck him with their hands. Pilate went out again and said to them, See, I am bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no guilt in him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and a purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold, the man. When the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried aloud, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered, We have a law, and according to that law he ought to die, because he has made himself the Son of God. When Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. He entered his headquarters again and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, You will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? And Jesus answered him, You would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given to you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. This is now the reading of God's Word. May He add His blessing to the teaching of it this afternoon. I wonder if you've ever heard it said that all sins are equal in God's eyes. Have you heard that? All sins are equal in God's eyes. There is some truth to that statement. If by it we mean that all sins, big or small, are in fact sins and make us guilty before God. That is certainly true. And that fact does need to be emphasized, for there are many people who think that because they have not committed a big sin or a heinous sin, then they are good with God. That is not true. Sin, we have learned is any lack of conformity unto or transgression of the law of God. We have to go way back to Baptist Catechism 17 uh, to, to hear that. Sin is any lack of conformity unto or transgression of the law of God. So if we commit what we might call a small sin, uh, it is still sin. And it makes us guilty before God. And we did consider God's law, and we considered all that God's law requires and forbids. And after we considered God's law, uh, we have all agreed that we violate God's law in thought, word, and deed. We must confess, therefore, that apart from Christ, we all stand guilty before God. And if that is what people mean when they say that all sins are equal in God's eyes, then, then I agree with them. But I think you would agree that the phrase can be a little misleading. It can be taken to mean that God does not distinguish at all between lesser and greater sins. 
And that should not sound quite right to you, even on the surface, for we know that God is perfectly just. And if we were to consider the civil laws that God gave to Old Covenant Israel, we would see that, that in those civil laws, punishment does fit the crime. Lesser crimes were to receive a lesser punishment, and greater crimes were to receive a stricter punishment. Instead of the word crime, I should use the word sin, right? Uh, lesser sins received a lesser punishment, and greater sins received a greater punishment in the civil law code of Old Covenant Israel. If we are to uphold justice, uh, we must do so in this way by distinguishing between lesser and greater evils. And so it stands to reason that God, who is perfectly just, does the same. In fact, our justice is nothing more than a mimicking of His. The passage that I just read from John 19 speaks to this issue. When Jesus spoke to Pilate concerning his sin, he said that the Jews who had falsely accused him and who were turning the political screws on Pilate to persuade him to crucify him had the greater sin. Uh, the Jews should have known better. Uh, this was the Messiah who had come from Israel. And they were clearly the ones who were driving this matter and manipulating the system and manipulating Pilate himself to get him to do this evil deed. Was Pilate wrong to crucify Jesus? Did he sin a terrible sin when he um, committed Christ to the cross? Yes, of course. But Jesus in this passage does say to Pilate that those who handed me over to you have actually committed the greater sin. And so we do here see a distinction between lesser and greater sins. And so this raises another question. If a distinction is to be made between lesser and greater sins, should we expect there to be differing degrees of punishment in hell? This is a difficult question, one that probably would require a more careful answer than the one I'm about to give it. But in brief, I would say that the answer is yes. For God is just. God is just. The punishment, even as we conceive eternal punishment, will fit the sin. Jesus spoke to this when He said that it will be more bearable on the day, that is to say on the day of judgment, for Sodom than for that town, speaking of the town which rejects the testimony of the apostles. And so we see these distinctions being made by Jesus concerning greater and lesser sins, and there does also seem to be a correlation between this uh, with the topic of of judgment, even eternal judgment. So on the one hand, we must agree that all sin is sin. All lawbreakers stand before God as guilty, therefore. But not all sin is the same. Some sins are more heinous than others. This is what our catechism teaches. Are all transgressions of the law equally heinous? The answer is that some sins in themselves are more heinous in the sight of God than others. To give an example, and it should be clear to all, the sin of murder is much worse than the sin of unholy hatred. You understand that, don't you? Jesus taught us that to hate in the heart is to violate the commandment, Thou shalt not murder. Yes? So there is a connection. Uh, hatred in the heart is the sin of murder, in seed form and in the heart. Hatred in the heart is sin. Murder is sin. Both make the individual committing the sin guilty before God, no doubt. But yet, a distinction is still to be made. 
The sin of murder is far more heinous than the sin of hatred uh, within the heart. Uh, This should be clear to all. Neither should be tolerated, but one is much worse than the other, given the destruction that it causes. Ezekiel 8.13 is listed as a proof text in our catechism. There we read, He said also to me, You will see still greater abominations that they commit. You will see still greater abominations that they commit. So the meaning is clear. What Ezekiel had been shown in in this vision regarding the sins of the leaders of Israel was bad, but he was about to see even worse things. And again, Jesus' words to Pilate that have already been discussed prove the point that some sins in themselves are more heinous in the sight of God than others. Our catechism is also right to say that some sins in themselves and by reason of several aggravations are more heinous in the sight of God than others. I think this little phrase, by reason of several aggravations, is acknowledging that other factors come into play when determining the severity of a sin. Some sins are in and of themselves more heinous than others. Murder is worse than hatred. But there are other things to consider too when asking how aggravating is this sin to God. For example, I'll ask you this question. Is it more aggravating to God when a four-year-old tells a lie or when a 40-year-old tells a lie? What do you think? Have you ever thought about this? What is more aggravating to God? the, The sin is the same. A lie has been told. But I think you would all agree with me that there is a sense in which a lying 40-year-old is worse than a lying 4-year-old. The 40-year-old should know better. And what is worse, a Christian committing adultery or a pastor? What do you think? Hmm? You know, uh, Christ does talk about how, or the Apostle talks about how those who minister the Word of God will receive a stricter judgment. What does that mean? Well, I think it's really rooted in the reality that we're now talking about. All Christians struggle with sin. Uh, Sometimes Christians commit heinous sin. Forgiveness is possible even in the case of heinous sin, uh, where there is repentance and faith in Christ, of course. But pastors will be judged more strictly. So they might commit the same sins that the members of the church commit, but when that happens... There's a greater weight to it or seriousness attached to it in God's eyes. Remember what James said, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. And the passage with Jesus and Pilate is helpful again. Both Pilate and the Jews were guilty of injustice, right? They, together, crucified the Lord's anointed. But the sins of the Jews were greater in part because they should have known better. They crucified their own Messiah, the Messiah that came from them. And they also were the instigators of this act of injustice. I think think that is what the phrase, by reason of several aggravations, means. It means that other factors may contribute to make a sin more aggravating in the sight of God. So what difference does this teaching make? One, it helps us to think and speak clearly regarding the justice of God. He does distinguish between lesser and greater sins. At the judgment, the punishment will fit the sin, and we are to follow His example when executing temporal judgment on earth today, if we have the authority to do so as civil servants. 
2. This teaching should make us eager to avoid all sin, but especially to avoid heinous sin. And we do know that the lesser sins do lead to greater sins. Do not forget that, brothers and sisters. So, I might say to you, don't lie when you are four, because you do not want to be a liar when you are forty, which is worse. And do not lust in your heart, for we know that the sin of lust does lead to the sin of adultery. Be sober concerning the severity of all sin, and particularly heinous sin, for it is so very damaging to yourself, to others, and to the glory of God. Three, this teaching does enable us to correctly distinguish between those who are good and those who are evil in the world. In an absolute sense, is anyone good? In an absolute sense, no. No one is good. No one is righteous. No, not one, the Apostle Paul says. But in another sense, are there good people in the world? Are there good governors, good bosses, good friends, and good parents, even who do not know the Lord? Yes, I think we are permitted to speak in this way. Relatively speaking, there are good people in the world, and then there are evil people. There are no good people in the world in an absolute sense. None is righteous, no, not one. No one is good before God. But there are certainly, uh, there are certainly degrees that we see uh, within humanity. So that, are, that some are good in a relatively sense. How could we speak this way? By understanding that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Some, by God's grace, are good, caring, faithful, and just, relatively speaking. Notice I said that even this is by the grace of God. So we come to be saved in Christ by the grace of God, but there is a sense in which there is a a common grace that comes from God, even to the non-believing world, where God, by His mercy, by His grace, restrains evil, restrains evil in the world. Have you ever thought about that, by the way? We often look out at the world and say, how could the world be so bad? There's another question you might want to ask. (laughs) How come it's not much, much worse? How come it's not much worse than it is? How come we haven't been given over to total chaos and anarchy and corruption and every vile thing? How come it's always Hitler who's, who's named? You know, uh, We look at Hitler as being such an evil man, and so he was. Um, I guess we could ask, though, why are we all not like that? Why are we not all given to such depravity? What is the answer, brothers and sisters? Some have received saving grace from God, the gift of faith in Jesus Christ, but also there is a sense in which God Almighty does restrain evil within, within the world continuously. And so when we look at someone who even is a non-believer and we say that person is a good person, relatively speaking, who should we give glory to for their relative goodness to that person? Should we glorify them? No, even still we should give thanks to God for the way in which He has restrained evil in that one. We should give thanks to God for the gifts that He has given to them, even if it is not unto salvation in Christ Jesus. Four, this teaching ought to move us to repentance and drive us to faith in Christ the Savior for the forgiveness of sins, big and small. Are all transgressions of the law equally heinous? Answer, some sins in themselves and by reason of several aggravations are more heinous in the sight of God than others. Let us bow together for a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you again for your grace and mercy. We thank you for Christ crucified and risen for us. We thank you that he has kept your law perfectly 
not only as it pertains to big things, but in every detail. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we know, did not sin against you, not in thought, word, or deed, but perfectly and perpetually obeyed your moral law in his heart, with his mind, with his lips, and with his actions. And it is for this reason that he is our Savior, and we may look to him. We thank you for Christ, and we do ask that you would strengthen our faith in him, or give it to us. And Father, we do pray that you would help us as your people to walk in obedience to you. Do keep our feet from stumbling. May we walk carefully in this world. Keep us, O Lord, from all sin, but especially keep us from presumptuous sins. Keep us from committing high-handed sins where we would be found living at odds with you and your commandments. Have mercy upon us, O God, and in all things may you be glorified. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.